while top quartile working capital performance has marginally improved, median performance has significantly degraded, thus widening the gap between top quartile and median company. So this year is without a doubt a year of course correction at all levels. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. I am Global Communications Director Gary Baker, and today I'm talking with the Hackett Group Director, Isvan Bodo, and Director James Ansius about key findings from our new U.S. Working Capital Study, how companies performed, what could come next in 2023, and what companies should be doing right now to improve their working capital performance. For those of you who are not familiar with our discussion topic, the Hackett Group has been publishing an annual working capital survey for more than 20 years. We look at cost and cash performance of the top 1,000 largest publicly listed non-financial companies in the U.S. based on their financial statements. And the report takes an aggregate as well as an industry approach to ranking companies across the four key dimensions of working capital performance. Days Sales Outstanding, or DSO, Days Inventory Outstanding, or DIO, Days Payable Outstanding, or DPO, and Overall Cash Conversion Cycle, which is CCC. James, let's start with you. Can you take us through the main takeaways from this year's study? Thank you, Gary. This has been an interesting year for sure as it comes to aggregate working capital performance. If you recall, last year we experienced a historic Triple Crown event where we saw improvements in all three working capital metrics, DSO, DIO, and DPO. In contrast, 2022 is the year we are calling a course correction as companies tackled major headwinds such as inflationary pressures on costs, supply chain disruptions from shutdowns of key manufacturing plants in China, as well as geopolitical instability from the Russia-Ukraine war. CCC, the major composite measure of working capital performance, deteriorated by 3% despite significant DSO and DSEIO improvements of 5% and 3% respectively. In last year's report, we predicted that DPO, which has seen continued improvement in previous years, was at an inflection point. Indeed, DPO's improvement trend reversed in 2022, with DPO recording a significant 8% deterioration, the main driver of CCC erosion. What is noticeable as well is the magnitude of the movements. In 2022, all three key components of working capital, as well as CCC, moved in a greater magnitude than they have in recent years. Excluding the pandemic years and the 2009 financial crisis, our survey typically records movements between negative 2% and 2%. And here we are seeing 3 5 and 8% respectively for DSO, DIO, and DPO. This is truly unusual. And our analysis also shows that the gap between median and top quartile companies has widened leading to a substantial increase in excess working capital. Excess working capital, as a reminder, is the cash release opportunity if median companies were to perform at top quartile levels. So in our analysis, the top 1,000 companies have nearly 1.9 trillion tied up in working capital, up 12% from the prior year. But what is interesting here is that while top quartile working capital performance has marginally improved 
median performance has significantly degraded, thus widening the gap between top quartile and median companies. This year is without a doubt a year of course correction at all levels for sure. And if we want to dig a little deeper into the industry analysis of these macro trends, let's start with DPO. The DPO degradation is led by consumer durables, recreational products, and oil and gas, which is not surprising given that these are all industries with large tier one suppliers and are dependent on scarcer commodities for production. The biggest SO improvements were seen in the consumer durables, recreation products, and oil and gas industries as well. These are all industries with strong business consumer components, which tend to benefit from continued economic rebound as well as revenge consumer spending. And finally, the most notable improvements in inventory management came from oil and gas, metals and mining, and wholesale distribution sectors. We expect these inventory trends to continue, albeit not as sharp of a change as supply chain constraints continue to ease and companies right-size their inventory on hand to adjust to demand. James, anything else on the industry performance side that really caught your attention? First industry to call attention to is motor vehicles. This industry saw a second straight year of CCC deterioration. During the current year, we saw vehicle manufacturers shift product mix to electric and hybrid vehicles, as well as vehicles with much more advanced safety features. These technologies require semiconductors as well as expensive rare earth minerals in the production process, which is a part of the reason these prices of vehicles have skyrocketed so substantially. As an example, in 2017, 8% of the vehicles sold had a price over $60,000. And in 2022, that percentage increased to 25% of vehicles sold. Because of these price increases and inventory mix rebalances, there were less cars available as well as less affordable cars for consumers to buy, resulting in a decline in new vehicle retail sales. Another industry that really stood out to us was the semiconductors industry. Organizations in this field experienced significant deterioration of DIO, which was at the highest point in the past 10 years. The root causes behind this decline include high volatile demand, rapid technology changes, and continuous new product introductions, aggravated by multiple supply chain disruptions. What helps to ease the shortage of the semiconductor chips in the second half of 2022 was a significant inventory correction across the PC supply chain, which resulted in elevated inventory levels. Having these elevated inventory levels drove the significant deterioration of DIO for the industry. And the third and final industry worth mentioning is wholesale distributors. The industry experienced massive revenue growth as the sector's performance is dependent on consumer spending and per capita earnings, both of which were positive during 2022. The strong demand and increased digitalization and efficiency in the industry has allowed companies to improve their collections and optimize inventory. DPO, on the other hand, experienced significant deterioration as volatile food costs, high inflation and fuel prices, as well as the ongoing supply chain constraints, put significant pressure on suppliers of wholesale distributors. These suppliers managed to improve their DSO to balance out the deterioration of DPO. The improvement of collection turns had a trickle-down effect on wholesale distributors, resulting in the significant deterioration of DPO. Thanks so much for those industry insights, James. Isvan, what else stood out to you in terms of uh, the results from this year's survey? 
Sure, Gary. And as always, it's a pleasure to be here and discuss our findings on this podcast series. So the main item to call out, as James alluded to that earlier already, is that best-in-class working capital performance has marginally improved, whereas median performance deteriorated significantly, resulting in a widening gap between best-in-class and median companies. In prior years, as you might remember, the widening of the gap was due to top performers improving more substantially than median companies. Now, to provide uh, specific examples of the differences between best-in-class and median companies, we can look at two industries. One is motor vehicles and the other one is textile. So James already provided some performance insight on the motor vehicles industry. But now just to look deeper into this industry and to better understand what is driving the gap between best-in-class companies and, and medium performance, we can really see that in the motor vehicles industry, best-in-class companies increase revenues three times above median companies and AP balances increase significantly, whereas median AP balances decreased. The differentiating factor in this industry was that best-in-class companies really made significant efforts to build strong relationships with their key suppliers and be also more transparent on supplier performers. Top performers also synchronized their purchasing and engineering functions to coordinate supplier interactions and this resulted really in real-time visibility and flexible inventory management and automation also helped to create a competitive edge. Now, the second example is the textiles industry, where best-in-class companies experienced significant revenue growth compared to median companies that had revenue deteriorate. Now, best-in-class companies, we can see that they really invested in technology and information system upgrades for real-time inventory and sales insights, as well as advanced inventory planning and allocation tools. Median companies, on the other hand, mostly just started their process and technology transformation journey, resulting in them being behind the curve when it comes to inventory optimization. This really resulted in improvement of DIO for best-in-class companies, and median companies had significant degradation of DIO of 39% when looking at the results of our 2022 annual study. Isvan, with the gap between best-in-class and median companies continuing to widen, what can companies do to try to you know, focus on improving these working capital metrics? Yeah, absolutely, Gary. Happy to elaborate on that a little. So starting with accounts receivable, credit risk management processes need to be reviewed and policies tightened as uncertainty, including inflation, recession, and geopolitical risk remain present. Inflation, despite its starting to ease, should be at the forefront of negotiations, as this really has an undue effect on P&L and the balance sheet performance. In addition to reviewing the credit risk management process, companies should also be looking at and they should be performing reviews of traditional credit and collection management to ensure agility in capturing changing payment behaviors and to minimize the bad debt exposure. Now, looking at inventory, on the inventory side, end-to-end -end supply chain processes need to be reviewed to ensure that changing demand signals are rapidly recognized, captured, communicated, and actioned across the organization 
including some risk assessments conducted on cash, cost, and service implications. Commercial and market intelligence team need to be well integrated into the planning and manufacturing communication flows, really to ensure agility across the supply chain. Overall, visibility and agility are the answers to address unpredictability and really keeping supply chain costs under control amid continued high inflation. On the payable side, supply assurance continues to be a priority for most industries and many organizations as companies continue to balance the trade-off between just-in-time and just-in-case. Some organizations continue to revisit their sourcing location and working capital strategies given the competition for resources as tight availability of supply continues to be a challenge for companies across the board. As a result, supplier payment terms are becoming less of a focus, and we can also see that the tightening of the GAAP rules around supply chain finance had somewhat of a dampening effect on new supply chain financing initiatives, but not on existing ones. Italy just on the new ones. It will be interesting to see how the banking failures of 2023 will continue to affect new and existing programs. So for working capital overall, supplier criticality, competition for resources, and availability of supply continues to be a challenge for organizations. As such, organizations need to continue to invest in process redesign, technology, infrastructure, automation, and really retraining their workforce in order to address the upcoming challenges. Median companies in particular must act so they do not continue the trend of falling further behind from a working capital perspective. They really need to improve their capabilities and remain competitive in the long run. So Easton, uh, looking ahead, what do we think we're going to see in 2023 in terms of challenges and, and expectations on the working capital front? Yeah, so in terms of what we see as the outlook for 2023, we expect market uncertainty that may threaten supply chains and cause further disruption of supply. Thus, we think companies will place a higher emphasis on risk and contingency planning in supply chain decision making, especially as companies continue to evaluate balancing the trade-offs between just-in-time and just-in-case inventory, as I mentioned already earlier. Companies will also continue to increase the use of subscription models, as these models allow for more controlled and stable revenue streams. And from a working capital side, these also help receivables performers, as well as estimating future cash inflows. Customers by now have fully adopted online purchases and the underlying expected delivery lead times. However, as shipping costs have increased from high fuel prices and inflation for vehicles, organizations may revisit the concepts of showroom or you know, try on stores with customers' orders shipped from central warehouses, which will significantly reduce overall inventory holdings needed. Finally, the Build Back Better plan signed by the Congress and similar initiatives at the end of 2020 one and some of those in 2022, will prompt companies to review their sourcing strategy and its accompanying working capital strategy. So just to kind of conclude, it sounds like 2021 was, you know, the great working capital reset, where all working capital metrics improved after the pandemic. And this past year, 2022, was much more of a course correction, where we saw growth despite inflation and recession, 
risks as and companies had above average revenue growth but the overall cash conversion cycle deteriorated largely because of a historic decline in payables performance dpo reversing the trend of the, of the past few years um Isvan, james uh, thanks so much for joining me today and for sharing your insights thank you gary Listeners, if you're more interested in this research, a public version of this research will be available in late June and will include a link to the webpage in the show notes. So hope you can join us next week. Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcasts.thehackagroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode, or send us an email at podcast at thehackitgroup.com. The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackitgroup.com. <laughs>